Welcome to Delight in the Truth, where the truth of the gospel changes lives. I'm your host, Ronnie Joyce. Did you know that anxiety disorders are the most common mental illness in America? On today's episode, we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to talk about what anxiety is, what causes it, and most importantly, we're going to talk about how to fight anxiety in a high-stressed culture. Stay tuned. Hey there, loved ones. Thank you for joining me again on Delight in the Truth. So, anxiety. How many of you are feeling that right now? (laughs) Hey, I am no stranger to it myself. Anxiety is on the rise in our culture, in our country, in our homes, in our workplaces. It's all around us. With COVID-19 shutdowns, the loss of jobs, racial tension and violence, and the church taking a softer stand on scripture, we live in a very dangerous and fallen world. And it is not surprising that anxiety and depression are increasing rapidly in the United States. It's not surprising, but as believers, we don't have to accept it as normal. Now, don't hear me say that if you have anxiety, that you're not a Christian. That's not what I'm saying. Every Christian feels anxiety at some time or another. Like I said, we live in a fallen world and it's a pretty scary place. Our Lord knew it would be so. So he constantly tells us not to fear. He doesn't tell us not to fear as if he's disappointed. He doesn't tell us not to fear, not to worry because he thinks that's all he has to say and it's just going to stop. He doesn't just say, don't worry and leave us there to try to figure out how to make that happen. Our God is gracious, loving, and generous, and he is there for us. He says, do not worry for I am with you. The Bible says, be not afraid for I am your God. Our father, our Lord, our savior can say to us, his children, do not fear because he has an amazing solution. What is that solution? more of himself. And we're going to explore that a little in our time together today. But first, let me start by saying anxiety is a real thing. It's not just something made up in our minds. We know it's real because the Bible speaks to it. If anxiety was not a real thing, we wouldn't have verses like the one we're going to talk about today. God knows that we will have anxiety. He knows that we live in a dangerous world. We have dangerous enemies. It is impossible to live in a fallen world, a dangerous place, and never feel a little fear, worry, or anxiety. God isn't angry with you for feeling anxiety. He isn't frustrated, and he isn't shaking his head or his finger at you. Instead, our loving Father knows that we're going to feel this, and he gives us a remedy for it. That remedy is himself, more of himself. The problem isn't that we feel anxiety. The problem comes when we refuse to accept the remedy for anxiety. The problem is that we as Christians try to fix anxiety the way the world does or worse by pretending it doesn't exist at all. And in doing so, leaving it to run amok in our lives. So let's just start with the basics. What is anxiety? 
Anxiety is the body's natural response to stress. It is a feeling of fear or apprehension about something unknown or something to come. Some anxiety is very normal, such as the anxiety you feel before speaking in public or starting the first day of a new job or the first day of school with people you don't know. We feel anxiety often when we're doing something new. We don't quite know, um, you know, how it's going to go. So that causes feelings of anxiety. We can even feel anxiety when we're excited about something that we truly want to do. These temporary feelings of anxiety are typically, I mean, they, they would typically subside. Uh, they, they subside when we're finally doing the thing that, that we're, an, we're anxious about or excited about. We get used to a certain activity or job or we complete an event and then we tend to feel better. This isn't the kind of anxiety that we need to be too concerned about, though it is still a point of prayer and something we should take to God. Any anxiety we should take to God, even those small little moments of anxiety that come up from normal events. The kind of anxiety we're talking about in this conversation today, it's much more than that. It is often labeled anxiety disorder, or in other words, disordered anxiety. This kind of anxiety is outside the typical range of normal feelings of anxiousness. Prolonged feelings of anxiety or depression over things that are not ours to worry about or outside of our control, which most things are, (laughs) or things uh, that may or may not even happen. This extreme fear of the unknown is often crippling when it doesn't have to be. This disordered anxiety is extremely serious and is on the rise now. Based on several studies on anxiety, especially now after, you know, the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, anxiety disorder is the most common mental illness in the U.S. Based on a study from the Anxiety and Depression Association of America, it says anxiety affects over 40 million adults in the United States. (laughs) That's mind boggling to me. I can't even imagine 40 million people, 40 million adults in the United States, 18 or older ages, 18 or older and 18.1% of the population every year, almost always coming in a close second is depression. An article written by JP Moreland from Biola says, Anxiety disorders affect women and teens especially hard. Besides post-traumatic stress disorder, women are twice as likely as men to have anxiety disorder. This is sort of my feeling about it as far as our guys are concerned. I believe that the number of men would be higher, but men typically don't like to admit they are feeling anxiety or stressed. It tends to point to a weakness in their eyes. So they would rather use coping mechanisms and things to, to try to work through it than to admit that they're struggling with anxiety or even depression. Women are more vocal when it comes to how they feel. These are very serious statistics. And what makes them so serious is that untreated or undealt with anxiety often leaves 
leads to depression, which oftentimes leads to substance abuse or suicide. It's not uncommon that when you're struggling with anxiety, you're also struggling with depression and vice versa. And it doesn't help that those who are struggling with these disorders are often being prescribed medications with the side effects that trigger the other. So if you are on meds for anxiety, those meds often cause or may cause depression and the meds for depression may cause anxiety. It is a terribly vicious cycle. So what is the remedy for the Christian? And why does it seem that so many of us are not seeming to benefit from it? And let me first say, this is a remedy for the Christian. And why do I say that? Because you have to believe in the one that is the remedy in order to have success in that area. So we are all very familiar with the passage in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, that says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and your mind in Jesus, Christ Jesus. (laughs) We love these verses, and we so wish they were true for us. (laughs) But many of us believers... If we're honest, we'll have to say that we have never experienced these verses in our lives, that kind of comfort that is spoken of in this passage, that peace that surpasses all comprehension. We struggle to experience that peace that these scriptures speak of. Why do you think that is? Could it be that we're not applying these verses as we should? Could it also be that we may be taking these passages out of context? We want God's peace, but we're not willing to do our part. Right about now, you're probably asking, what exactly is my part? Well, let's take a little closer look at these verses. First off, the passage tells us, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. So when we're going through a bout of anxiety, what do our prayers look like? This is the very first question you have to ask yourself. If you're going through anxiety right now, first, are you praying? Are you talking to God at all? Or have you closed inward? Have you turned inward? Are you so focused on whatever it is that's causing you anxiety? So anxiety is not fear. They're two different things. So anxiety is generally a response to an unknown internal conflict or threat, uh, the unknown threat, whereas fear is focused on like a danger, like an, uh, a known danger, like something that you know is happening, something that you know is taking place. So when we talk about anxiety, when you're feeling that sense of the unknown, not quite sure what's happening, what's going to happen, things seem out of control and you don't, your, your mind is spinning, you're feeding yourself all this information about what could happen. We tend to do that because we think if we can get a grasp on 
the things that could happen, we can get ahead of it. We can kind of get in front of it, but it's hard to get in front of something that isn't actually happening. If a thing isn't taking place, it's not real. It's not tangible. So are you praying? Are you talking to God about this thing? The second question you want to ask yourself is, what are you saying to God? What are you praying about? What do your prayers look like? Are you just asking God to get you out of it, take it away, remove it somehow? And now you want to ask yourself, why are you doing that? That may seem silly to you. It's, it's, you're probably thinking, well, I want him to get rid of it. So it'll go away. So I don't have to feel this way. But are we doing that for God's glory? Are we asking him to take it away for his glory's sake? Or are we having him take it away for our sake, for our glory, for our comfort? We tend to forget in our trials, in our anxiety, in our depression, that we are called to suffer. And if we forget that we are called to suffer, our prayer life looks like us constantly asking God to take something a way that we don't like, make our lives comfortable. But here's the thing. God isn't in the business of taking away everything so that we can be comfortable. God is in the business of making us holy and holiness often comes through trial. And honestly, I don't quite know any other way that holiness comes. So let's take a look at what we're praying and what this passage is asking of us. So prayer, prayer is talking to God. It's talking to him relationally. It's setting before God what's going on, uh, what you are doing, what you hope for. Now there's nothing wrong with asking God to take it away. I mean, Jesus did that in the garden. Let this cup pass from me. But at the end, he said, but not my will but yours be done. Are we praying like that? Are we setting before God saying, this is what's happening. This is what's going on. This is what my fear is. This is what I, this is what I think is going to happen. I feel anxiety because X, Y, Z. Are we telling God what's going on? That's what prayer is. It's coming into that, co- that covenant a relational conversation with our father and telling him what's going on, telling him how we feel, telling him what's on our hearts. That's what prayer is. That's what the passage is calling us to come talk to God about it. And then it goes on to supplication. What is supplication? Most of us will read this passage and read right over that and not even stop to think, what does that mean? So supplication, the the best way or easiest way I can explain it is to ask. It's where we come to God and then we ask for what we need. We ask God for what we need. Now, we can ask God for what we need in our own understanding. he, He isn't angry with that. The more we know his word, the more we're in God's word, the better we learn to pray. The more we learn to pray, the better we pray. Um, but especially if you're new to God's word or you haven't been in his word very long, maybe you just started walking this little journey with me as you tuned into my podcast and you're very new to sitting down in the scriptures and reading God's word. Don't worry. 
The Holy Spirit is also praying for you. He knows exactly what you need. So don't worry that your prayers aren't perfect. But we do want to learn over time how to ask well. Not just to ask for our sake. Honestly, never to ask for just our sake. We want our Father's glory. We want glory for our Father. We want Him to be glorified. So when you ask, it's okay to ask in our limited understanding of what we think we need in that moment. But then to also ask God to say, this is what I think I need. I see all these things happening. I don't know what's going on. Help me to know what's going on. We're asking that God might help us to know what's going on. But at, but ultimately, ultimately to say, help me to know that you have control, that the, that this thing has not spent off its access, that you are holding on to me, that no matter what is going on out there, what the things that I can't see, the things I can't control, help me to know that you have it, that you have it under control. To ask God, depending, I mean, there's a thousand questions here you can ask depending on your circumstances. So I, I, it's hard to say, ask this, ask that. I won't do that. But to be able to ultimately leave the situation in his hands through asking, show me that you have this. Remind me of your love and your care for me. Remind me that you will never leave me or forsake me. Remind my heart of the things that, that my head, um, thinks it already knows. Remind my heart of what my head already knows about you. Um, this is supplication, asking God for what you need. And then it goes on to say with Thanksgiving. So Thanksgiving is a part of it. It has to come with it. It's joined to the word with joins this to the rest of the the request. So you're praying and you're supplicating with thanksgiving. So even when you don't feel thankful because you're, you're reeling, remember the things that you're thankful for, that you should be thankful for. The fact that God hears your prayers, praise him and thank him that you, that he hears your prayers, that you can come and ask of him as your father, that he will teach you how to ask well in time and that he will show you how to be still in these moments. Thank him uh, for all the things that are going well in your life today. Don't just stop at the thing, the one thing that you're anxious about, or as you look at the news, all the things going on in the world and you feel anxious, you don't know what's going to happen. The, you, you see persecution coming to the church. Well, persecution isn't a bad thing if it refines the heart's of the children of God. And if it brings about the revival that we need so desperately in the church right now. So asking God not to, I mean, to help you not be fearful over the good that can come from these hard things and praising him and thanking him for his goodness, for loving us enough to finally allow this to come to us when we have run amok in this country, making him a second instead of a first. So we pray, we supplicate, and we give thanks. We let our request be known to God. So in praying and supplication and thanksgiving, in, in these things, we let our requests be known. 
not just let our requests be known, just, you know, we tend to let our requests be known, but to everybody, but God, we're talking to our families. We're talking to our friends, you know, we're on Facebook talking to anybody who will listen. We're on Instagram talking to anybody who would listen, but few of us are talking to God and asking for his will to be done. Then Paul says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So what Paul is saying is that peace that you want that comes after these other things. It, it, it comes after the prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. If we're not doing the prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving, then we can't really expect that peace that's part of the promise, right? Don't we love the promises? We love the promises way too much. I mean, we should love the promises because they're awesome promises. But if the promise is all we want and we're not willing to do the other things, then it's not God that we're seeking. It's the promises of God that we're seeking. Does that make sense? Okay. So now I, I, I want to take this a little further because we can tend to take that one little blurb of scripture and forget all the rest. We, I was saying earlier, are we taking the passages out of context? So we, we tend to love that first half and out of context, um, Oh, not the first half, but that second half, that peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard our hearts. We love that. But it's out of context without the first part, the part that we have to do. Now, let's take a look. We're going to go a little bit further. We're going to look at um, verses. You know what? I actually want to step back a little bit in the passage. I want to, let me grab my Bible here and let's look at... I want to look at verse four and five before we get to verse six. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Now he's saying again, I say rejoice because he just said rejoice just a a few paragraphs earlier. He tells the people to rejoice in verse three. He says, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord to write the same thing is no trouble. I love that. To write the same thing to you is no trouble to me. And it is safe for you. Philippians is about rejoicing in the hard times, rejoicing in hardship. It is the, as they would call it, the chapter on rejoicing. But it is not just rejoicing like we would see dancing, laughing, being happy. He is saying in the midst of trial, Again, I say rejoice because you and I as Christians have the ability by Christ, by the grace of Christ to rejoice in hardship because in hardship, we acknowledge, we realize that we are sharing in the very same hardship our Lord shared in as well. We get to suffer what he suffered and we love him. So that is, that is good news for us. So again, let's look. At verse four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Your reasonableness be known. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. When I am feeling anxious, I'm not exactly reasonable. 
because I, I'm, I'm not being reasonable at all. <laughs> I am, I am in my head. I am thinking of all kinds of things that could happen that hasn't happened. And that's not reasonable. And I have nothing to offer someone else in those moments. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And this is my favorite part. The Lord is at hand. Your translation may say the Lord is near. I love that. He's saying you can rejoice and and let your reasonableness show because the Lord is near. And then he goes into do not be anxious. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious. Why or how can we get through anxiousness? Why should we not be anxious? Because the Lord is near. We don't have to be anxious because the Lord is near. Do you believe that? Do you believe the Lord is near while you're in the midst of this? Do you know that God is close by? Do you know that he sees what you're anxious about? That he already knows the outcome? That you're not alone in your anxiousness? Now, let's look at verse 8. It tells us, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good of good report. If there is anything excellent and if anything is worth uh, worthy of praise, dwell on these things. This is not a one-time event. It is something that is continual. And this is the problem with most of us as believers. We live in a world where everything comes way, way too easily, way too easily to us. And we expect things to simply happen. We supposed, we're supposed to pray once, supplicate once, give thanks once, and God is supposed to give us peace. This is hard fought. We have to fight for this anxiety to go away. We have to work with God because the enemy is not going to let up just because you said a prayer and asked for something. He is not going to let up. And we are fighting a spiritual battle, battle, ladies. We are fighting a spiritual battle. So this is continual. We are continually looking for the honorable thing and the pure thing and the lovely thing. We are to constantly in our struggles and in our darkness, continue to look for the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. When we're struggling with that question that always comes to mind, why is this happening to me? (laughs) Instead of dwelling, uh, instead of dwelling on why this is happening, we must stop and remember all the good that God is allowing in our lives, even in that moment, even in this moment of anxiety. We, we need to acknowledge to God that even in this trial, it's for our good. We have to tell ourselves the truth. Then Paul goes on a step further in verse nine, and he says, these things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Again, we are called to practice these 
things, practice these things. So again, we're not doing this once. And isn't this the problem when we're depressed and when we're anxious? We have to fight for this. Loved ones, we have to set our face like flint, as the Bible says, and fight to press out of these moments of depression and anxiety. Can you see where I'm going here? Can it be that we're struggling so much with anxiety and depression because it's easier? Please hear me. I am not downplaying what you're going through right now. And I am not trying to insult you in any way. I have struggled with both anxiety and depression in my life. And I know what it feels like. And I have enormous empathy and compassion for those suffering with this. It is not easy. It's not easy to feel like that. But please just stick with me here. If we're honest, isn't it far easier to imagine the worst about things? Isn't it easier to stay in bed than to engage the world when you feel like this? Isn't it easier to think negatively when you're anxious or depressed than it is to think of all the good and wonderful things God has done and is doing for you, even in the midst of anxiety? Isn't it easier to think about yourself, what you don't have or should have or could have, how uncomfortable you are in the situation, how you shouldn't have to do this? Isn't it easier to think about yourself than to try and think about the good things, any good thing for that matter? Doesn't sitting around trying to think of lovely things and good things and pure things, doesn't that kind of feel forced and unreal? But think about it. Is it? Is that really what's unreal? Or are the thoughts of what could happen the unreal thing? I mean, if it happened, if it hasn't happened yet, then right now it's not real. The, God, the things that God has done for you, he has done. Those things are real. Think about the people in your life who love you. If you're being treated poorly by someone and you're anxious about going to work every day or school every day, or you're anxious to go on Facebook or Instagram, you're worried about what may be out there and what someone might be saying. Well, first off, stop going out there. (laughs) It's a silly answer, but it's a true one. You know, you're not gaining points for going on Facebook. We get nothing from that if we're being abused out there, but we have to go to work and we have to go to school. And I get that, but we can get so fixated on the one or two people or five people who don't like us. And we forget all the people in our lives who love us. They don't like us, but these people love us. Not only do they love us, but they like us too. What would it look like if we just started telling ourselves the truth? That even if everyone abandoned us, God won't. He says, even if everyone leaves, I won't. I'm here. I'm here to to the very end. I'm sticking it out with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And he means never. And God is so gracious that when one group of people, one relationship passes away, One group of relationships pass away. God is so generous. He brings around a new one who love him and would be more fulfilling and enriching of your life. What's the cure for anxiety? Hard work. I know you weren't expecting that one. You were hoping I can give you a quick fix, but it's going to take hard work. 
This is not a uh, works-based fix, though there is work. The work is of believing God, reminding yourself of what God has done, living like a person who believes what their father says. How do we fix anxiety? We believe God. We talk to God daily. We get into his word to see what he says about a thing. The reason why we read the Bible for ourselves is so that we might know God, who he is, how he acts, his character. He tells us so much about himself. Everything he, he wants us to know, we can find in those words. Everything about his steadfast character. We read the Bible so that we know who we are, who we are in him, and how to live in this stress-filled, broken, and corrupt world. And we read the Bible to know what's going on out there. Everything you see happening in the world today, the scriptures talk about none of this caught God off balance. How do we fight anxiety? We talk to our father. We tell him what's going on, what we're anxious about, what we're worried about. We ask him to help us with our unbelief or our worry or our, our imaginations. And we thank him for his goodness, that all these things matter to him that he has not left us alone, that he will never leave us alone, that he is fighting for us if we love him. And we ask him most of all, help us to get over our pride, help us get over ourselves. We're anxious because we can't control something. We are not people who are supposed to have all that control. God has control. We are children. He is a parent. He is caring for us. I hear this more than any other complaint. And that is, it's hard. Well, yeah, it's hard. To walk with Jesus Christ is hard. We're walking a life carrying a cross on our backs. That's not easy. No one said it was going to be easy. You and I have got to get over the thought that life is supposed to be easy. That's a lie. And we must tell ourselves the truth or we are not going to be willing to fight. We just lay down and let things roll over us and feel anxious and depressed about them. Let that not be us. If you know someone in your life that is depressed or, or full of anxiety, bring them to these scriptures, tell them. And if you know someone who is struggling and suffering with anxiety, don't be afraid to come alongside them. You know, a lot of people, especially in the church, are struggling with anxiety and they feel guilt on top of that because they feel like they're not supposed to feel anxiety, that they're, they're not believers because they do or they're sinful because they do. Is anxiety sin? Well, it depends on what you do with that anxiety. The feeling of anxiety is not sin. It comes. We have anxiety. But what we do with that anxiety can be if we are not trusting God, if we are trying to fix our anxiety with, by the, the, the ways of the world, by using, being dependent upon drugs or, and, and uh, don't hear me say that all that the prescriptions and all that stuff that I'm not, I'm not knocking prescriptions in some situations. I do truly believe that they're needed, but it is not supposed to be what we rely on. Christ is what we rely on if we're not going to even take the time to fight and we're just going to lay down and say, give me a pill 
because I just want the easiest way to not feel like this. Okay, then I know some of you aren't going to like this, but that's sin. Your idol has become pharmaceuticals and not God. That's just the truth. It's a tough truth, but it is the truth. If you fall back on pornography or relationships or sex or drugs or binge watching television or anything to numb out so you don't have to face the thing face forward, that's sin. Because none of those things have God at the heart, none of them. And you and I are not to feel anxious for anything, but in all things, through prayer to God, supplication to God and thanksgiving to God. All three of those things have God at the center. Binge watching, not so much. Eating to numb your pain, not so much. Drugs, not so much. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) We have to fight. It's not going to be easy. You're not going to feel like doing this, but your feelings are not true. Truth is truth. Feelings are feelings. And they are often all over the place. You're not going to feel like doing this, but do it anyway. And if you know someone who is struggling with anxiety, come alongside them, encourage them, remind them of what God is doing, especially if they're a believer. If they're not believers, they're not going to get this. And there's not much you can do about that. But if, if they claim to be a believer, a follower of Christ, Remind them of their commands. God has commanded us to have joy. That is not a suggestion. It is a command. And he commands us not to be anxious for anything. It's a command. And that we are to come to God for all things. All right, loved ones. This is a tough one. I mean, I know it's not easy to come alongside someone who's who's anxious. <laughs> it almost it, it could make you anxious just watching them be anxious. I know I, I I I deal with it all the time as a counselor. I deal with anxiety a, a lot and depression a lot. Um, it's not so bad, you know. They're you, you're counseling with them for an hour and a half, and it's or hour an hour and a half, and 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 you and they're gone. But if you're anything like me. I I don't, I can't let people just walk. They walk out there physically, not there, but I'm praying and thinking about them throughout the day. As I think about how, what we're going to do when we meet next time. And as I pray for them and prepare, um, assignments for them, things for them to take home with them, they're on my mind and on my heart a lot. And so it's, it's tough because you can, you can feel that way alongside them. And the Bible teaches about that, about being very careful as you come along people who are in sin or, you know, in, in these cycles, you could easily fall prey to that. So it's a lot of prayer that goes into God guarding my own heart. So making sure as you come alongside your, your loved ones and friends and your family who are struggling with anxiety, remember to care for your heart too. be praying, have other people praying for you as you come alongside them have other people praying for you. Be praying while you're talking to them. Be constantly in, be in a constant communication with God. Never just shut God out while you go and deal with them. You have to be in a constant 
conversation with God as you deal with these things. And, you know, you have to nurture your heart. So stay in God's word, stay in his word. And God will give you compassion for those who are struggling with anxiety. So you're not feeling anxiety along with them. Don't be afraid of them. Try not to get to that point where you're like, I don't even, you see their name come up on your phone and you just, oh, I'm just not going to answer that. Now, don't get me wrong. Sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes you know you need that that space. You're not in the right headspace to deal with it. And you would be selling them short if you do. But that means call them back. (laughs) It means dealing with that situation in prayer right then um, and letting God uh, renew your strength and then jump back in there with them because we need each other. We need each other, especially now with, with what's going on. Um, let them know God cares by loving them, by being the hands and feet of God. All right, loved ones, thank you for joining me today on Delight in the Truth. I will be praying for you. Please feel free to leave me comments about this episode. If you disagree with something I say, it's okay. You know, I don't, I don't get angry about disagreements. We don't always feel the same way or believe the same way, but maybe you and I can have a conversation about it. Maybe we can work through what it is that you feel and why I think the way I think, and maybe we can come to a common ground. We just, I think we could do that. I think we could come to a common ground. And if you love the Lord and I love the Lord, I think we can certainly come to a common ground. So I look forward to seeing your comments, hearing your comments and talking with you about this. If you like the program, I ask that you would forward it on to someone else. Let someone know that Delight in the Truth is out here. I am a new podcast. So the the more you share, the the more people will know that that we're here. We want to get this, you know, we want to get real biblical content in the hands of people, especially now. It's like I said, in, in a lot of places, the church is very soft on the message. And I hope to never, ever be soft on God's word. I intend to teach his word, word by word, and to the very best of my ability that he gives me every time we have a program in whatever subject we're talking about. So please let someone know, subscribe um, on, uh, we, you can subscribe on YouTube or Podbean or Amazon Music or um, Apple Podcast or wherever you listen. Uh, feel free to subscribe and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much. I'll see you next time. Bye now. Delight in the Truth is brought to you every week by Genesis One Biblical Counseling. This program is not counseling via podcast. If you find that you are in need of a biblical counselor and would like to set up an appointment, please feel free to contact my office at 480-340-1381 or go online to genesis1bc.org for more information or to make an appointment.